welcome to the House of Cinema podcast. My name is Joe, and with me today, our good friend Nate from All Things Reviewed is joining us again. A little bit different of an episode, though. Today we're discussing our five favorite horror movies from the decades of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s. A little bit different of an episode than our normal uh, review of a movie. But it is spooky season. I thought, you know, it'd be a great way to talk about some different movies. Uh, and Nate is a man of uh, wide and knowledgeable horror movies throughout <laughs> time in history. You flatter me. Before we get into that, Nate, it's been a minute. Uh, how have you been? Yeah. What have you been watching? How about tell us what you've been watching? How has 2021 been in movies? What's some of the favorite things you've watched? Yeah, um, I've been good. Been good. Still going through grad school. So, you know, um, things have been pretty busy. Um, I can't remember the last time I guested, but uh, I got married. So, you know, big life change there. <laughs> Thank big, you very, very much. Big. Yes, sir. Um, so, but that's been good. And, you know, she's been putting up with my... Uh, insistence on watching horror movies this time of season <laughs> so i compromise a little bit uh we're doing a, ha- a harry potter marathon right now oh awesome. it's not really Perfect. it's not truly a compromise because i love those movies too but you know just yeah. to break up the just absolute depravity that we're watching um, <laughs> <laughs> um most recently though the best thing i saw in 21 uh 2021 it's gotta be a titan i think i'm saying that right um I mean, maybe, I've been saying more, it maybe like an uncultured swine and saying titane. So titane, I don't know. Titane, titane, I'm not sure. I think, I don't know. It, it's either probably one, titan. But. Yeah. <laughs> either one, either way you say it, the movie is great. Um, definitely oh, yeah. um, up there with my favorite thing I've seen so far uh, this year. Probably like up there with The Green Knight. I really love yep, that too. Yep. David Lowry's latest Love No Time to Die, the latest Bond film. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so far it's been pretty good year for movies, at least at this pace, as opposed to uh, last year when it was like, cool, yeah, Tenet and uh, that was some it. Netflix stuff. <laughs> I know, yeah. It was a rough year last year, and, and I think we're definitely getting uh, a lot of gifts this year because everything got pushed back to this year. Definitely. I'm right with you. I I think The Green Knight and Titan slash Titan is, <laughs> I'm, I think I have it at number two right now of my favorite movies of yeah. 2021. Yeah. Um, and I watched No Time to Die this past weekend and kind of blown away by how much I was actually in love Same, with it. I was man. really nervous going into it because, yeah. I mean, Spectre was kind of lackluster, but I knew, you know, they could really achieve great things. Obviously, mm-hmm. Skyfall's amazing. So I, I was yeah. pleasantly surprised. Definitely. Same here. I I think Skyfall has both fallen and grown on me like at the same time. I used to think it was amazing and then was like, oh, actually, this isn't that good. But then I revisited some of the older Bonds, and I'm like, okay, yeah, Spectre isn't that great, but like, I would still way rather watch this than like 80% of the older Bond movies, like especially yeah. the Roger Moore yeah. ones. <laughs> it, it's so. interesting. I mean, gosh, we can go. We should have a whole Double Seven podcast, but it's interesting how much some of those movies really. I would say majority of those movies haven't aged the best. No, not at all. I mean, I think a lot of it's <laughs> just being driven by nostalgia, and I get that, but like. A lot of them yeah, that's part great. of the appeal. Yeah. Well, anyways, we'll have a double seven podcast later someday <laughs> because there's so someday. many. Someday, that's to not the topic that we're doing right now. Yeah, it is spooky season, and I'm really excited to talk about our five favorite movies from each of these decades. Because although I'm, you know, glad to be talking about specific movies each each week, I wanted a chance to talk about some older movies, some newer movies, For a good sure. mixture of things. Uh, I know you had a tough time creating this list because the only rule was one movie per decade. Um, yeah. So let's let's just jump straight into it. We're going to start in the 70s, which I think is the I honestly think is the hardest decade to choose from. Easily. Totally agree. Man, looking at like my list of putting movies together, I it's just crazy that like my nominees for the 70s like I have 10 of them and then the 80s like seven of them, then the 90s like five of them, and then the 2000s <laughs> like three of them and they, they get smaller and smaller as each decade goes on. And I don't yeah. want to say like each decade horror gets worse. It's just a much different time yeah in the 70s was just uh i guess a monster of a decade for i really think so too how did you feel going through the 70s i i totally agree with you there i really think like the 70s are when kind of the the roof was blown off with like what you could release in a film because you had some stuff come out in the 60s obviously Alfred hitchcock's psycho kicking off the decade and then like 
you know, in Italy, you have Blood and Black Lace and Black Sunday by Mario Bava, which kind of kickstart the giallo craze. Yep. And then um, by the end of the decade, you have, you know, Rosemary's Baby. And so after that, it's kind of like, you know, 1968, 1969, you, you got Night of Living Dead. Everything just changes kind of after a, there's like a couple classics there in the 60s. And then boom, everything in the 70s is just insane, which like I'm not going to name any movies yet because that's what we're about to do. But I mean, I probably could have had a top 20, 25 from the 70s and all of oh, them yeah. would be movies that I like legitimately love. Yep, I completely understand. So we'll, let's jump straight into it then. What is your pick for the 70s and what did you narrow it down to and why did you choose the movie you're choosing? All right, so with the 70s, like we just said, hardest decade for me to pick uh, because just looking at my nominees here, the the top three from this decade for me like on any given day could be potentially my favorite one. But uh, for my number one pick, I got to go Deep Red by Dario Argento. Mm. Okay, perfect. Um, it's kind of where he truly came into form as like the master of the giallo. Uh, I, it's kind of hard to describe this movie for someone who doesn't, to someone who doesn't know what a giallo is or like what makes them great. But it's like you imbue like this crazy free-flowing camera work. You have this bright red color palette. Everything pops off the screen you have this lavish set pieces, these extreme wide angles, long takes, and then like graphic, like really bloody over the top violence. And then you have this like prog rock score that's just so jamming, you're bobbing your head the whole time. It's, it's just the best. Like a crazy. I, love it so much. I know. Absolutely. So for me, that movie like kind of changed my whole taste in horror. I saw it for the first time. Um, either last year or two years ago. I can't remember. Um, I think it was last year when under over lockdown. And like ever since then, it's just kind of become my favorite subgenre in horror is the giallo. Kind of blends slasher with whodunit mysteries of like Agatha Christie uh, as well. So just pretty much everything I like blended into one. So have you seen that? How do you feel about that one? So Deep Red, I watched the for the first time, like first year of college, I started watching. So I watched the Spiria first because that is... Probably, yeah. Uh, probably his most popular film, For sure. easily I think. Um, and I watched that because obviously I was like getting into film, uh, just out of high school, entering college, and I was like, all right, I'll watch Suspiria, and I hated it, hated Suspiria. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I watched Deep Red, watched Deep Red, hated it. I was like, this is so dumb, it's so corny, it's so cheesy. Like, yeah. the Goblin soundtrack's so lame. Like, what am I watching? I'm so glad movies are different. Uh, so I revisited Deep Red just recently, like uh, not even maybe like a month and a half ago, and I was like, "Wow, yeah. I was I matured a lot because this is uh, everything I want from a movie is in Deep Red." <laughs> um, it, it's a it's a really special movie, and I, I hope that people are listening who haven't heard of Deep Red take a second to maybe look into it because it is definitely I, just so special. It's it's really really entertaining. The soundtrack's great. The the cinematography's great. There's so much to love about it. And it's a really engaging story still, and I, I really find myself loving it. Uh, since then, I've revisited a, a few other uh, Argento movies, and I haven't found one I loved more than Deep Red. I've liked a mm -hmm. lot of his other movies so far, but Deep Red takes the cake for me. I, I really do love it. I'm so glad you're bringing it up because, uh, I guess, spoiler, not spoilers, but some backstory to this podcast. It started yeah. out as we're going to do a Deep Red podcast, and then <laughs> I kind of changed on you last minute saying, let's just talk about our favorite movies of the decades because I want to talk about more. Yeah. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. I'm curious to know, what were the other options besides Deep Red that was hard for you to choose between? Yeah, for sure. So um, I've got a decently long list here. Now, this is by no means comprehensive of like every movie I love from this decade, but just right off of the bat, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween, uh, yep. kind of really the first true horror movie I saw. And uh, still love it. I watch it at least two, three times every October. It's so perfect. That and the sequels, mm -hmm. too, which are arguably uh, not perfect. And they didn't come out in the 70s anyways. But I love that love that series. Uh, Jaws, Steven Spielberg. Um, I, I wrote Jaws last on this list. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a horror yeah, movie right? that I didn't even think about. <laughs> it's like one you kind of forget is a horror movie. But every time you go to rewatch, it's like, no, it, it definitely is oh, essentially like a is. slasher movie just in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, House um, by yep. 
Nobuhiko Obayashi. I hope I said that correctly, but it's just an insane, um, just mind mind warp of a movie. It's yeah, so yeah. trippy. Just I, I love it. You can rewatch it like ten times and not pick up on everything that he's commenting on there. Uh, the Exorcist, William Freakin, uh, watched for the first time this year. Incredible movie. Ooh, so good. Yeah. Alien, Suspiria, Black Christmas by Bob Clark. Uh, Alice, Sweet Alice is kind of another underseen gem I really love. So those are kind of the ones I'm I'm picking between there. Um, All right. But Interestingly yeah, so. enough, you're, you are you haven't listed what I'm choosing for my favorite oh, movie wow. of the 70s. Interesting. Interesting. I had all those listed down. Uh, I wrote down Carrie as well. Um, yeah, another good one. Alien, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is mm. one of the movies that really scared me a lot as a kid. But I think now my favorite horror movie of the 70s, and I think the movie that always scares me or just gives me like the worst uncomfortable, creepy feeling, and that's uh, Toby Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, man. Great I, one. I revisited the movie again this year, and it it just... How do I say this? It just the um, there's a lack of blood and a lack of real like violence and gore in this movie. Everything is kind mm-hmm. of like off screen uh, last second, and yeah. um, but the imagery is is so unsettling when she's like you know when Sally's in the house at the dinner table. Um, it it just freaks me out a lot. I I feel like it always makes me uncomfortable. I, I hear a lot of criticism sometimes, or not not criticism, but complaints that. Uh, they get annoyed with the the amount of chase sequences and like it's a little long, but I think that is what really kind of sells it for me. I really like the fact that she's running the whole time or for a good amount of the time because that's what I would yeah. be doing. I feel like a lot of yeah. people would be doing that. No kidding. Um, and then just the like, I think the last just the last scene, the last shot is just one of my favorite shots in like I think in horror movie history of just waving the chainsaw in the sunset as Sally gets away in a you know yeah. pickup truck and she's like covered in blood and she's just like laughing hysterically um out of relief but out of fear it's just there's so much emotion going on at the last minute i just it's always unsettling for me to watch it i i love it for all those reasons um what do you think of the texas chainsaw massacre yeah i agree with everything you said um i like especially just talking about how unnerving and unsettling it is because uh, it really does, it's not a found footage film, but it really does feel real, you know? With, yes, it does. I, is there, is there even real. a score? Is there even a score to it? I don't even uh, remember if there's not, a score. Not that I really think can yeah. And um, I actually saw this movie for the first time, um, ironically, on my first date with my wife. We went to oh, a horror movie marathon at our local drive-in theater. And so it was outside. It was... Night of the Living Dead, then Halloween, then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it was—it's just such an assault on the senses. Like it really especially, is. like you said, that last probably like twenty minutes or so, because it's not a long movie at all. No, um, not at all. It just the noise is so loud. Not again in an annoying way. Like it's so effective. And um, but yeah, the fact that uh, the fact that my uh, wife made it through that without wanting to then never see me again was a sign that I, I found the right person. There we go. <laughs> there we go. It's a good sign. Yeah, it's a really but... good sign. I know. I think my fiance didn't even want to watch it with me because it bothers <laughs> her so much. So, uh, but I'm okay with that. I understand. So, all right, well, let's, let's move to the eighties. I, yeah. I know we're leaving a lot of movie, good movies behind again. Oh, yeah. None of us uh, are saying that we don't like any of these movies. It was, it was so hard to pick just one. So we're leaving a lot behind, but we're going to the eighties a little bit different time period, yeah. a little bit different movies. I'll start us off this time. It really yeah. became between four different movies. Aliens, which I think is... Uh, I, I, I go back and forth between whether or not I like this more than the original. I didn't put that on mine as a horror because I consider it more of an action. But I I mean, I mm. do... I think it counts. I think it counts. I guess just in my brain, I consider it an action movie. And I, and I think that... I typically say that. I, I always say, like, first one's more sci-fi horror, second one's more sci-fi action. There are, I mean, there's elements of horror in the second one, but I didn't pick Aliens. Uh, the Thing, which I think is mm-hmm. was going to be my, my choice, but then I, I realized what my true choice was. And then yeah. my personal, like, love for Christine will always keep it in, like, my top five horror movies of all time because I just, I love Christine so much. Maybe not the scariest oh, movie yeah. of all time, but... I, just something it's about solid, John Carpenter's man. Christine that just makes me so happy every time I watch yeah. it. Yeah, it's such a good vibe. Like, uh, yeah, really underrated one. It sounds so stupid. It's like, oh, a killer car. Uh, but like, I know. It, I, know. I don't know. I it just works. Time, 
Like, just, like, give it a chance. Like, it's, I know it's a little cheesy, but the way Carpenter does it, it just makes it really enjoyable to watch. So I like Christine a lot. But undisputably, I think this is my favorite movie, horror movie of all time, by the way. But I think this mm. is my easy number one is going to be uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly from 1986. Great um, pick. Ah, uh, man, The Fly. I- I've been really into Cronenberg filmography over the last couple months. I've I've really knocked out a lot of his movies lately and i've liked a lot of it i don't i don't think i've really disliked anything um but the fly to me i don't think really anything comes close to how how Mm -hmm. perfect i think the fly is i don't think there's a a single thing i'd change about this movie it is the like perfect combination of a little bit silly and kind of funny at times to actually really gross and pretty horrifying at other times i know we all know cronenberg from his body horror and and i think the fly is just a masterpiece of what body horror really is it's just mm-hmm. his transformation to the flies it's it's gross it's so nasty yeah it's and it's awful to look at <laughs> i hate i hate it like when like the hairs come out of his back and like they're like touching yeah. it and then even when he becomes the actual brundle fly and like he's like throwing up on things oh it is it is gross to watch but i just i love it so much uh, what do you think about the fly yeah i i really like it too and it it's a testament actually to how many good horrors there are from the 80s that I forgot to even put it on my long list, even though I love that movie. Yeah, um, yeah 80s is pretty big too. Yeah, it's like, um, it just really works because of how uh, like sad it is. He Cronenberg really understands like how sad it is for your body to just deteriorate. And, you know, you can yeah. almost kind of read it as an allegory for like getting old and just not being able to do all the things you used to be able to do. Um, like on top of all this, all this great special effects of it all. It's that sadness of it because of how charming the first act is. Uh, Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum have such great chemistry that you genuinely want their relationship to work out. And like when you see the fly go into the machine, when he's teleporting himself, you're just like, no, please get out. Like every time you watch it, it doesn't matter how many times you've seen it, you know how it's going to end. You know what's going to happen. Cause I mean, even if you haven't seen the movie for the first time, it's pretty telegraphed what's going to happen i mean it's called the fly you know (laughs) yeah so like it's the tragedy of it that i think really sells it as one of if not cronenberg's best um yeah that's a great pick i think you bring up a good point about the sadness of it because despite how gross the creature is there is always that moment i have of just kind of sadness when the fly crawls up to gina davis and like puts the gun to his head like just like end my life i'm a monster I need yes. to end my. It, it's actually kind of sad, despite the fact that he's disgusting looking. Oh um, yeah, I always do get a little bit like I always feel kind of sad for him because you're right. It, it is just it's like tra- it's true tragedy. It's like Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah, it, yeah, a tragedy. You know, he his own uh, hubris gets to him and Definitely. he has to end his own life. Um, that's my '80s pick. I'm interested to hear what your '80s pick is. Yeah, you named some really great ones in there. Um, the Thing is also on my long list. I love that one. Um, I have the first Terminator in there um, oh, because that okay. one I feel like much like Alien and Aliens is more of like a sci-fi slasher um, in the first one. And then with the second one obviously being um, more pure action. Um, I like Catherine Bigelow's Near, Near Dark, her, her vampire oh, film. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. Like I really like that one. I have Dark though. Yeah, it's it's been hard to watch for a long time, but Shutter I think has it right now, and oh, then perfect. I think a 4K is coming later this year. I want to say, but then also I have to name at least mention Friday the Thirteenth at least one time on this list. The final Fair. chapter, the fourth one, uh, is probably the best, tied with um, Jason Lives, the sixth one. I mean six? that series. Yeah, I've heard is, six you know, is the best. Yeah, four and six are really neck and neck for me. I on any given day I can kind of change my mind. Now, that series is kind of, you know, corny and over the top, but it it's, you know, it holds a place in people's hearts for a reason. Yep. Tenebrae yep. by Dario Argento. Love that one. Another great Jalo movie. I got to mention The Shining by Stanley Kubrick. Um, oh, yeah, that's 1980 the, exactly. 1980 right? exactly, yeah. Kicks yeah. the decade off. And I wouldn't have any problems if someone were to tell me that's the greatest horror film of all time. Like, it's not my yeah. favorite, but I love it. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah, um, but thing. for the second time in a row... <laughs> I got to go with uh, Dario Argento's, uh, a Dario Argento film as my favorite of the decade, uh, his film Opera. Oh, okay. I have not seen Opera yet. Yeah, so Opera is really like his last true giallo film, and it's a complete 
like satire and kind of breakdown of the genre he's you know commenting on the the gender tropes of it all and kind of commenting on like the bloodlust of audiences and how you know as the 70s progress into the 80s and the 80s you know are getting ready for the 90s audiences just want more and more graphic violence and so like the main premise of the movie is that there's this killer stalking this woman and he's basically just taping her against the wall and pins needles under her eyes so that she can't close her eyes as he kills one of her friends. Ooh. And then, and then after he, after he does that, then he, you know, lets her, lets her go and then flees. And you're trying to figure out who it is. So it's like another whodunit type film. And so it's, you know, kind of a comment on the audience as well. And he's basically saying, all right, well you want this. Well then I'm forcing you to watch it, you know, essentially. And the music in it is essentially like eighties hair metal which is just hilarious and just works really well. No, exactly. And uh, to me, it feels like if Michael Mann made a uh, Giallo film. So obviously uh, I have to to love it because (laughs) because of the (laughs) man influence on it. So it's not for everyone, definitely not for everyone. I'm not going to say like, if you don't think it's good, then you're dumb. But I don't know, It, it, it checked every box for me so all right opera all right it'll go on my watch list and i'm sure hopefully other people's as well yes all right let's let's switch decades let's move to the 90s things are are changing i think big time in the 90s i feel like none of these movies are even remotely similar to the movies we just talked no about huge huge change and like even as i was making even as i was making my list i was just like wow the style of films on here is just like not not what yeah. i had been picking yeah, it's a it's a big shift in the '90s, but some good ones, but some really good ones. This was harder to pick than not harder to pick than the '70s, but it was pretty difficult to pick between uh, really two of them for me. Okay, I will say uh, maybe three. I will say uh, a quick honorable mention to uh, Arachnophobia, a super cheesy '90s movie, but yeah. uh, I I recommend people revisit it. It's actually pretty pretty decent, pretty good. I'll admit, I I hate spiders. I don't like spiders. So it's already inherently just a freaky movie to me. Um, I rewatched it maybe like two months ago and it it holds up pretty well. It's like pretty entertaining to watch Jeff Daniels run around with John Goodman and figure out (laughs) spiders. Yeah, I've I've held off on watching it for the sole reason that I also hate spiders. And I don't know if I have arachnophobia, but just seeing a ton of them at once is just Oh, it uh, it just makes help. me give me shivers every time. A quick mention of Sixth Sense, which I think is is definitely deserved mm. to be up there. I I do love the Sixth Sense, but it, we came down between the Blair Witch Project and Candyman, and I, I think I'm going the Blair Witch Project for my choice of the '90s. Good pick. This this pick I think is more of what movie scared me the most, and it's going to be the Blair Witch. I love Candyman as a, a lot, a lot, especially recently as revisiting it. But the Blair Witch Project is to me it was like the first time in my life as a kid where I became really, really scared of something. Yeah. I remember this movie coming out. I was very young. I didn't watch it because uh, I was too young to watch it. But I remember the trait or the commercials on TV and just being like already scared of the commercials. And then when I saw it, mm. I probably was like 11 or 12 and it shook me to my core. And I think now I was saying this earlier to some other people, it's easy to revisit this movie in 2021 with the 2021 lens and say like, oh, how dumb. It's just about people getting lost in the woods. But I think yeah. you need to like really put yourself in their positions. It's 1999. You know, we don't have cell phones at that point that can find where you're at in a, in a second. Um, yeah. And unless you've really truly been lost somewhere, that fear that they have being lost in the woods without a map, without a compass, and it's haunted is like, that is a fear that is so real that I, I hope no one has to ever experience. But I mean, if, if I've ever gone hiking, uh, it always crosses my mind, like getting lost. I think that as you get older, this movie gets scarier. I think that when you're young, it's easy to dismiss it. But when you're older, you can really understand the fear. In found footage, to me, I know it can be a little bit of a dorky uh, subgenre of horror. Uh, I think if done well, it's really scary. And I think this is the, the reason why it is. Uh, I think the yeah. Blair Witch Project is kind of like the... The reason why I got popular, um, and I think it's just like the the staple of of found footage, and I I just love it. I think it's very scary, and I just love everything about it. I don't know what you feel, how you feel about the Blair Witch. I I feel similarly to it. Uh, I'm a little younger than you, so obviously, like I didn't 
experience the marketing campaign and everything for it. But I just want to mention how brilliant that was. Oh, uh, super just, brilliant. You know, using the internet in the best way possible in its infancy, um, people really thought that this was real. Like, oh, I know it sounds corny to say. I think my parents it. thought it was real. <laughs> yeah, like they had to bring the actors out and like prove that it wasn't, you know, that they didn't actually die. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, watching it then when I was in my teens, I was like, okay, this is boring. It's just might as well call it the grass. You know, they're just walking around. But like you said, as you get older, you kind of watch it. And it's just like, as they slowly start to lose it, it really does just kind of just hit you in a way that very few movies have. And I'm not going to say it's the most rewatchable movie for me, but that sense, like when something kind of clicks and they find those sticks in the woods and then, you know, stuff starts to happen. It's just like, yeah, it really does feel real. You get chills everywhere. And that ending is just cataclysmic. It's it's yeah. so well handled. I'm so glad that they you know, don't reveal really what anything looks oh, like. It's same here, so same much here. scarier in your head. And it's, yeah. the, I think the prime example of the truest horror is the, the, the lurking sensation in your head, whatever you're imagining it to be, you know, is always worse than what it'll really look like. And so when you withhold that, it's even scarier. And yeah, I'm not sure there really is a better found footage film. Uh, out there, I don't think honestly. so. Currently, um, you know, I don't think there is. I mean, there are a lot of fun ones out there. Uh, yeah, there's one I'm going to mention later on that I I think is in competition, but I won't okay. I won't reveal Ooh, it now. So, all right. So, what is your '90s pick then? Yeah. So my '90s pick, um, I'm kind of torn. I don't really consider Seven or Silence of the Lambs to be horror movies. I consider them. To I be don't thrillers. either, and that's why I yeah. did not put them on my list. Even though when you Google and look at categories on basically every movie platform, they're on there. I'm just like, yeah. I just don't think they are. Um, yeah, I took those off my list. Two two other ones that I want to mention that I actually do think lean more into horror than thriller would be Danny Boyle's Shallow Grave and oh. uh, Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. Now. I do think they're definitely thrillers, but I think they lean a little further into the psychological horror uh, elements than, say, mm-hmm. Seven or Silence of the Lambs do. So I think I just wanted to mention those there. Um, you mentioned Candyman. Um, I watched that before the new one, and, yeah, the the original is incredible. I actually yeah. honestly was not expecting it to be so artful and so nuanced and just genuinely as effective as it was, like the concept seemed kind of corny to me. It's kind of why I avoided it for a while. And then I watched, I was like, wow, yeah, uh, dumb decision, Nate. You should have watched that way earlier. Yeah, no, trust me. I think <laughs> that's how a lot of people feel with the the new movie coming out recently, uh, Nia DaCosta's version. I mm-hmm. I watched the original. I was trying to get, you know, tell people around me, watch the original first because they do flow into each other very well. Yeah. Uh, and I felt like I had a better experience watching the the new one had watched because the of the original yeah uh, but i felt the same way i was like it was kind of a cheesy thing growing up like oh Candyman five times in the mirror it sounded like dorky dumb and i was like I don't, i'm not really into that um and then i was very wrong when watching it very very wrong yeah so for me it's between two movies and i am i'm torn i'm, I'm hard to, for me to choose even as i mention this but uh i'm gonna go <laughs> ahead and just pick my number one um twin peaks fire walk with me uh directed by david lynch i know was like it this over one, scream uh yes over scream over yeah, scream, that's my scream is between that yeah scream is right there and i'm just like oh, it's hard for me to not pick scream but i don't know if a movie has like truly made me feel so just frightened not in like a oh my gosh the boogeyman's coming for me type of way but just at the depravity of humanity uh, then or just the horror of humanity and like the secrets that people keep and everything then Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Um, I know it's like not some people don't really consider this a horror, but uh, I think it is, especially like if you're considering psychological horror. I, I'm not really sure there's a better psychological horror film out there. Some of the imagery that Lynch crafts in this is just I mean, it's meant to be a, a waking nightmare and yeah, it's yeah. so effective and it so expertly just recontextualizes the kind of campy nature of the original show, which I love. And it's intentionally that way, you know, kind of lampooning 
just network television in general and tricking audiences into thinking they're watching a crime procedural when really they're watching one of the weirdest and most uh, idiosyncratic works in the history of fiction. (laughs) Um, And they're watching it on primetime TV in their living rooms. You know, it's just kind of kind of insane uh, to think about. But um, I'm not really going to talk about much of the plot or what makes that movie so horrifying to watch because it really only works if you've seen the show uh, the first two seasons and then watched Firewalk with me. But it is also a film. And so for me, it's uh, the top of the 90s. I have I saw it three times alone this year. And Ooh, I'm probably going to watch it again. Um, All right. All it right. just really affected me. And uh, I'm just not sure there's a better better 90s pick out there as much as I love Scream. Yeah, I'll, we'll make sure the Scream fans don't come for you then because... I know, sure I know. It's a, it's a dedicated fan base to Scream fans out there. Yeah, including some of my close friends who will be listening to this. And I know that they're going to... I know they're going to come for me. Uh, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> so. I like Scream too. I mean, I like, I like Scream as well. Uh, I didn't have it on my, my top three though, but um, yeah. I do like Scream as well. Yeah, so. what are, what's well, some I, of the other ones on your long list? It was really between... So Blair Witch, Candyman, Sixth Sense, Scream, and then I wrote down Ringu, um, which mm, I think mm. is haven't seen that. Uh, probably the start of the the J horror craze was because of yeah. Ringu, and I I like the Ring. I actually think the Ring is a, a decent remake for an American uh, remake at least. But Ringu mm. is uh, is pretty terrifying, and I think I remember seeing that uh, in like high school and, and just being like, "What is this nonsense? It's so scary. Why did anybody watch this?" Um, <laughs> So it was really that was really kind of my 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 short list or long list yeah. of movies for '90s, but it was always between Blair Witch and Candyman for me. This was this next decade was the hardest for me in terms of like choosing a favorite. I, I felt like this was the decade, the 2000s, that had the least amount of movies I really loved. If I'm being completely honest, yeah, um, I agree with you there, man. I did man. choose one. I did <laughs> choose one, and not to say like look, it became I like Saw. I like Saw a lot actually, and I. Th- think that final destination as cheesy and corny as the whole franchise is um i have to give this this franchise some credit to really masterfully just building tension and putting me at the edge of my seat every single time i watch it i mean it could be final decision one or final final decision five they're all very uh just like it's hard for me to watch sometimes because it's just like they do ridiculous things yeah i think the final destination films it's like yes they're cheesy Yes, are they like the best directed and, you know, artfully crafted? Not really, but they are really good at making you cringe and drive down the road being like, oh, that log might fly off and hit me in the head (laughs) or I might die on this roller coaster. Like, you know, (laughs) they stick with you. They do. (laughs) And that's that's my like, that's my support I use to everybody. I'm like, you make fun of Found Destination, but how many of you guys don't drive behind trucks hauling logs because of i move out of the way every time <laughs> every time i go i will switch lanes i'll go around i'll slow down i will get out of that thing's way because of that movie and i'm like i know a lot of people do because of it so yeah, oh, yeah. like you said not the most like artful or even like quote-unquote good but they left an impression but that's like that's a i think it's a good like final destination saw is like a good like that's what this era kind of was and it's not my favorite for sure so the movie I'm picking for this uh, this decade is going to be Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Good good choice. It's, it's up there with some of my favorite horror movies just ever. I think it, it definitely revamped the kind of tired zombie genre that was really popular in the early 70s and and uh, after you know, Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and then just kind of repopulized it again. Uh, mm-hmm. Although technically, I guess, not a zombie movie if you want to be real technical. But... Um, yeah, I love Twenty yeah, Eight Days Later. It's a zombie movie. <laughs> it's a zombie movie. I think yeah. the performances are great. Killian Murphy's great. Naomi Harris is great. Brennan. It's a pretty stacked cast with Brennan Gleeson as well. Music is is way too good for a movie like that. I, I mean, just like it blows my mind how good the music is in that movie. Seriously, and, uh, pretty intense ending. Like in the last like twenty minutes of that movie, you know, fifteen minutes of the movie, it's just like balls to the wall cr- craziness. There's so much going on. Definitely. Um, so I, I really, really love this movie. I actually think the second movie is decent as well, if I'm being completely honest. I haven't seen the second one. I need to check it out, though, because it's one of those that's like, oh, it's a sequel. Why would you make a sequel? But then everyone says it's pretty decent. It's not bad. It, it always reminds me of the alien versus like aliens. Like it, it, it mm. probably is less horror and more thriller action-y. Yeah. Um, but it's still still pretty good. I still like it a lot. But the first one is, uh, yeah, it's, it's to me, it's just like it really 
reinstilled this love for like that zombie genre that I kind of grew tired of. Uh, there's so many bad ones out there, and this one just felt yeah. really good. So that's my choice for the 2000s. What's, what's yeah, no, that's choice? a good actually, pick. Let's, let me hear your choice. Let me hear your thoughts on 20 Days Later first. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw it really young, and it was back when YouTube didn't really give a crap about copyright, and people just oh, yeah, uploaded yeah. movies. And so that's how I really saw a lot of my first ones was because they were just on there. So it's due for a rewatch for me. It's been a, it's been a long time, but I was definitely very affected by it, especially the end. Um, it is also cool that uh, it's one of Alex Garland's uh, earliest yeah. things because he wrote that, yeah, yeah, and of yeah. course he goes on to direct Ex Machina and Annihilation, which are two movies I adore. So mm-hmm. um, we know a really solid pick, but I definitely need to rewatch before I can give any uh, sort of like insightful thoughts because I was like fourteen. So <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. So what's your choice for two thousands then? Yeah, so uh, this decade, like uh, like you said, really hard for me to pick because there's a lot of horror movies, um, and I've seen a decent chunk of them, but a lot of them just suck. Like, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. A lot of these movies no, they suck. This, and, was the, uh, this is the lull in the decade. This is a huge lull in the decade, and in, in just horror in, jo- in general, and the style of them look like they're just always oversaturated, over-edited with quick cuts. It's like everyone wanted to be Jason Bourne, but make it horror, and then... <laughs> Like Saw came around and I'm not really a huge fan of that movie, but I respect it. But then all the sequels and then stuff like Hostel, you really just tr- getting like into torture porn essentially, which yeah. I just hate. I loathe that. Not I think it's either. like yeah. worthless, worthless stuff. It's just not, not enjoyable to me. Um, so this was actually really hard because there are so few movies, horror movies from this decade that I would even like recommend. Um, but I did find some. I did find some movies I like. So the movies I'm mentioning, I'm not faking it. I do actually like these movies. Um, I think Signs by M Night Shyamalan is really good. Um, oh yeah, enjoy that one. Definitely more sci-fi, Spielbergian, Hitchcockian style horror in which it's not like you know, oh my god, I'm so scared, but just really gets under your skin, and is uh, unfairly criticized. Uh, I think oh, yeah. just because M Night's made a couple bad movies. Movies that I also need to revisit, um, but for the most part, his movies are really effective. I liked Old a lot. Um, but yeah, American Psycho kicking off the decade, that's a good one. Um, yeah, a I, movie I never the, really considered a horror, but I, I get it. Yeah, I wanted to mention it because literally on every site I go to, they have it as a horror. So I feel yeah, like I just no, I had to here. mention it, even though like you, I think it's more so thriller than anything. Um, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, a movie that has kind of been reclaimed. Uh, in recent years and movie I didn't like uh, really at all myself the first time I watched it but kind of read a lot of criticism about it and revisited a little bit and I'm like I I respect it a lot more for what it's going for Mm -hmm. Uh, but these three I'm going to mention here um, are the ones that I think are genuinely great and affected me the most so The Descent by Neil Marshall oh yes uh, golly I don't know if I'll ever rewatch that but I hate it one of the most I'm extremely claustrophobic same, and same, so same. watching that was like getting punched in the gut uh, like over and over because it's just everything I hate. I don't like going into caves. Um, and yeah, so uh, that's all I'll say about that I'm sitting here one. shaking my head because I'm like, I just don't <laughs> like that movie because it's a good movie. It's, just, it's like it almost feels like the primary reason I don't like it is because of the caves. And the secondary reason I don't like it is because of the mutated beings that they're chasing. Oh, my goodness. Them. But the yeah, caves it's... are the more scary part for me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting kind of sick to my stomach thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I but, mean, yeah, it's um, a good, a good, good uh, acknowledgement. Yeah, Inland Empire by David Lynch uh, is right there for me too. It's pretty high on my uh, all-time faves list, honestly. But I want to pick my favorite, um, even though, if, even though if I don't necessarily consider it as good as Inland Empire, um, I just saw it recently, and it's not talked about a ton. But it's called Lake Mungo. Uh, directed by Joel Anderson. On my watch list. I, someone yes. told me to watch this just the other day, and I just haven't gotten around to watching it. Yeah, so um, I watched this just uh, this month, actually. It's part of kind of my Spooktober watches, and um, it's a mix of found footage and mockumentary. So okay. it's it's portrayed as, you know, kind of talking about this family. Basically, their daughter drowns in a lake, and as they're kind of grieving, they feel like they're her presence is around in the house things just feel weird 
um, and in the process, uh, kind of finding out more things about what their daughter has gone through and things that she's done. Um, it actually has a lot in common to Twin Peaks in the themes that it deals with. Um, mm-hmm. You can still enjoy it, though, obviously, if you haven't seen Twin Peaks. Um, but, like, the family's literally, their last name are the Palmers, which is the last name of the family in Twin Peaks. So it's a pretty, Got it's it. a big homage to that. Homage to it. Yeah. yeah. But um, really effective. It's a slow burn. It's only, like, 80 minutes. But, like, it's one of those, there's no jump scares. It's all just stuff that gets under your skin. And the last uh, 10 minutes, um, there was a moment in there where I actually, like, closed my eyes because I got so unsettled Ooh. yeah okay. I, I got so right. unsettled and it just kind of just it just happens it's not something that there you know there's like a you can see it telegraphed and everything it just just happens and it's mm-hmm. very matter of fact and it's not like um cheesy and building up to it and i don't know it just i didn't expect it uh it's one of those that's kind of been hovering around my watch list because i've seen you know people really really into horror recommend it because it's kind of a deep cut um, the director, Joel Anderson, has never directed anything else. Um, Interesting. And I don't even know what he looks like personally. <laughs> I, he's kind of just disappeared. Not He's not missing or anything, but like he's never made another film. And I, I honestly feel like this is in competition with Blair Witch for being the best found footage. I kind of prefer it, although I won't say it's the best found footage as a lot of it is, again, mockumentary style. So it's not like completely found footage. Got it. Um, okay. But yeah, really recommend that one. Uh, I believe it's on Amazon Prime right now, as well as Tubi. So if anyone's yeah, looking to I, I've, find a way to watch I've, it. Several times I've queued it up and just never got around to actually put, pressing play. Um, yeah. But I've heard really good things about Lake Mungo. So I hope that um, I get a chance to watch it, hopefully this spooky season. So Yeah, definitely All right. worth it. Well, we are switching it up. Last decade, 2010s, it felt like there was a revitalization in the horror genre because... My list grew from like three movies to like seven. So, oh, yeah. I feel a lot better by the 2010s. Let's start uh, with you. What is your pick for your favorite horror movie of the 2010s? Yeah, I'm going to start off. Uh, I'm just going to name my pick right off the bat because it's a definite for me. Uh, it Follows by David Robert Mitchell. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. That's like yeah. number two on mine. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think it is the perfect synthesis of what made John Carpenter films great and just 80s kind of 80s stalker slasher movies great in general but Mm -hmm. then it just kind of takes it into the modern era um the the decade that the film is in you really kind of don't know because there's a couple moments where they're like using really futuristic technology but then they're driving really old cars but then the buildings look modern and so you kind of just don't know when it's set and it's part of why it's so unsettling. Um, and it's just such a simple premise. It's just, this thing is walking towards you very slowly, but it'll eventually catch up to you. And it's just like, that's death in reality. Like everyone's going to die and you never know when it's going to happen. And that's terrifying. <laughs> you know, it could happen yeah. any second. Anything could happen to you at any time. And uh, all the performances are great. Uh, Michael Monroe had a killer twenty. 20- 14 i think is when yeah. it was released was that the guest same year yeah the guest too yeah. which uh i guess would be on my really long list although that's not truly a horror movie in my opinion yeah again that's another one where i'm like uh i see it more as a thriller than a horror but yeah, i've seen definitely. it on a horror list before definitely but the cinematography and it follows the synth score oh my god oh, it's so dope Love it, it. it's one of those i have to crank up every year for halloween just because it's so effective and it's genuinely terrifying another one of those were like not a jump scare movie. It's a slow burn, but man, is it effective. It, it combines everything that's great about the genre, I think. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I agree with you. It's not really a jump scare movie, more of a slow burn horror movie. But I, I will say there is a moment where it's not really a jump scare, but it kind of is. And it's absolutely terrifying. Um, yes, I know that, exactly what you're talking that, about. And yes. uh, for those who haven't I seen it, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. But uh, man, I was watching that with some friends, and uh, we were we were grasping each other like little kids, <laughs> and we were like six, seventeen years old. <laughs> I think it's because like the whole time it's you know built as a slow burn, and then just this moment randomly happens, and it took me by surprise, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's scary!" <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden you're like, um, "Oh no, oh god!" <laughs> and then it just yeah. takes off. It's just oh, it, it's so good. It follows is a. Uh, a really special movie. I think it's 
I think it's easily maybe one of the best horror movies of the 2010s. Um, and I think a lot of people are are not maybe coming around to or, or just finding it for the first time. And just like, yeah, this movie is insanely good. I, I can't believe yeah. how good it is. And I like that it's so ambiguous to where it's set and you know what time period it's set. It makes it yeah. a lot more scary because it could be any time. It could timeless, be now. you know? Like you could watch it 20 yeah. years from now and be like, oh, it's, you know, this is like an older neighborhood where I live you know yeah exactly exactly and um so i love everything about that i think it's it's a really really good movie i I, for everybody who's like hey joe what's a horror movie i should watch like this is like the first movie i tend to recommend is it follows like you know kind of get a a sense of who this person is and like all right watch it follows like this is a good like modern movie that really will will do well it's it has a good amount even if you're not a fan of the horror genre it's not like so overwhelmingly just aggressive that it'll just turn you off it's not insanely graphic like there are some you know violent moments and it is scary but i feel like anyone looking to get into the horror genre this is a really good starting point because it has so much of what makes classic horror great and also what makes more modern horror great so it's kind of like that stepping stone into the the world of horror films yeah, and especially for like a, I wouldn't say it's a mainstream like studio movie either. It's it's definitely more on the indie horror side of things, yeah. and I think that looks a, a really very good... slick though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does look very slick. But I think for like people who you know are tired of like maybe all the big mainstream horror movies coming out, you know, definitely The Purge Seven or something like that. Oh gosh, The uh, Purge. You know, like, like if they want to jump into something more indie, but maybe not do a full dive in, this is a good like, hey, watch this to ease yourself. For sure. And, and it has a lot of uh, a lot of really good themes to talk about, too. I don't want to I don't want to just say it off, the, you know, off the bat for those who haven't seen it. But there's a lot to discuss about. It has a lot. Of, I mean, it's also just a good friendship movie, good friends film, like yeah, kind of yeah, pulls yeah, yeah. from the children in peril genre, subgenre that I love, like with it and Stranger Things and stuff like that. Just really good. I think anyone who hasn't seen it, what are you doing? Go watch it. Yeah, exactly. This is like the one you should be watching right now. It's on my short list. It was like two or three. The 2010s, I got to admit, it felt good going to the 2010s after <laughs> leaving the 2000s because Bro. <laughs> a lot of just like good options. You know, it was uh, yeah. on my long list. I uh, had uh, Raw, Julia DeCorno's Raw. Who we, we talked about uh, Titan, Titan. Uh, yes, this was this is her debut, which I was unaware of. It's just uh, crazy that that's her debut. It's insane because you watch and you're like, oh, this person's been making movies for 20 years. Yeah, it is. It's I could not believe this is her de- her debut movie. It is so good. Maybe not the most like again scary, but it, there's definitely horror elements to it considering it's it's mm-hmm. a concept. Um, I would be remiss not to say Get Out or mention Get Out at least as on my uh, long list too. Love it, love it, love it. A trailer that I thought made the movie look like I wasn't even excited for it because the trailer I thought was pretty bad. It yeah. made it look really corny, and I was like, "Ah, oh, that kind of sucks." The trailer, yeah, but... well, it's not very memorable, honestly. But then uh, yeah. I used to I worked at a theater at the time, and we were so packed for it. I was like, "All right, well, I got to see this." And then I saw, it, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is incredible!" Oh, yeah. And then I saw it like four more times. <laughs> it's it's. I think I was one who watched. And I was like, "That was pretty good." And then I watched it like three more times, maybe a year later. And I was like, "Holy shit! This is like this movie is like culture defining, movie defining." Um, yeah, probably something that will like live on for ages as like a shift truly. in time and, and truly horror. like a hundred years from now, you'll be like, "What are the ten best horror movies?" And it'll be on the list. Yeah, I think Get Out is definitely out there. It's not my favorite. I'm not choosing it. Uh, I'm just, yeah. just going through a couple. I think the Babadook is worth recognition as well. Ooh. I think um, that was I watched that alone for some reason uh, at night. Terrible idea. So such a bad idea. That, that was, movie scared the uh, shit out of me. I'm not even gonna lie. Very terrifying. <laughs> I, I had a hard time finishing it. It was so effective. It, okay, so if I'm being honest, it came down between these two, and I, I'm still like looking at them, like oh, I don't know what to choose. But I, I'm going to go. This is, might be a little crazy, but I'm going with Ari Aster's Midsummer. Ooh. as my favorite movie of the 2010s and now look i, I love hereditary I, I do i do love hereditary don't get me wrong and my other choice really was the witch uh which is uh robert eggers fantastic uh, on mine on my long list as well but midsummer is a movie that i feel like i constantly revisit and every single time it just makes me feel so unsettled and so uneasy and unnerving it's like 
and I love so much that it takes place in bright daylight, which is very rare nowadays for a horror movie yes. to take place in quite I literal daylight. I think that's its daylight that's always. its trump card. Is it makes daylight scary? That's so it, hard to do. Very scary, and um, the perfect amount of effed up and scary for me that I just. Oh, I, I love it. I, I, you know, as soon as those people jump off the cliff and things start going from there, I'm like, this is going to be a roller coaster. And I, I, just, <laughs> I like it a lot. And I think there are a lot of themes out there as well for this one where uh, it talks about, you know, toxic masculinity and gaslighting and just shitty mm-hmm. boyfriends in general. Uh, I think there's some interesting commentary on grief and despair as well. So I, I like Truly. I like this movie a lot. It barely edges out The Witch and it barely edges out Hereditary, all movies yeah. I really love as well. But I'm a, a Midsummer fan uh, through and through. Plus, it has Florence yeah. Pugh in it, which you know can't hurt. Yeah, it's a truly star-making performance from Florence Pugh as well. I mean, after that movie, she's suddenly like just in ev- not in in everything, but is everywhere. Everyone's talking about her. Um, yeah, rightfully and, so. Yeah, exactly. I, I, like you said, the themes of you know talking about breaking free of your mental me- mental illnesses, your trauma. Um, on top of like being in a toxic relationship and how that can affect somebody. And again, it's another one of those movies that's kind of just like show, don't tell, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It just like shows you stuff. And it's like, oh, there wasn't a music cue there telling me I'm supposed to be scared, but I'm, there's a little, you know, I, I might, I need to go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. It just really gets under your skin. And I haven't seen the director's cut. Um, I actually just got the, um, the 4k edition or whatever from a 24 that has the director's cut so i'm excited to check that out because some people a lot of people seem to prefer that version of it um, yeah i think i do as well um, okay definitely I'll i don't want to give away too, too much but i think it definitely helps with just building a little bit more character development i think and, okay. and adding some things to yeah maybe it was the original was lacking just slightly but i think it, yeah. it, it's it's good it's good yeah i want to mention just a couple other yeah ones. yeah what's on your long list yeah so uh, I saw The Devil by Kim Ji-woon. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, it's not really a thriller because of how graphic it is. It's definitely yeah. horror. Um, I won't say much about that other than uh, if you have a weak stomach, don't watch it. But very, very effective. Another one kind of discussing how trauma and grief kind of turns you into the monster that you hate. You know, it's just really effective. And it just looks gorgeous. The cinematography is incredible. Uh, James Wan's The Conjuring. Um, one of the most Hell terrifying yes. viewing experiences I've had. Oh, I, I don't react it. super well to supernatural horror films. I don't watch a ton of them. Uh, it's just not really my thing. Not because they're bad. I just I, it it just really uh, unsettles me. But that movie is so well done, um, and it is genuinely very effective. Uh, you mentioned Hereditary, obviously Mid- Midsummer, which is your number one. I like your next Adam Wingard's Home Invasion. Oh, oh. I can't believe I don't even have it on my list right now. I'm ashamed. I love. I was gonna say I was surprised not to hear it because I know how much you love it. I do love your next. Oh, yeah. I'm a little bit yeah. ashamed right now. That's on my Great short one. list, not my long list. It's a good one. I really. <laughs> like it okay. Really good. Good. Yeah. Uh, Climax by Gaspar Noé or Gaspar Noé. People say it both ways. Um, uh, essentially, a one take movie uh, where the one take is actually called for and is not just a gimmick. It really works. Uh, to the benefit of the film it's it's really really effective just a crazy lsd trip movie that's just wild you gotta see it to believe it uh knife plus heart is a great modern giallo movie that not a lot of people have seen they don't really make giallos anymore but that one is one of the few new ones and it's actually extremely well done in my opinion and then my last honorable mention um is dr sleep by Mike Flanagan, oh, the nice. Shining was sequel. Oh, 2019? 2019. Gosh, that was, was 2020. Uh, yeah, 2019 I, okay, was a I, crazy movie for horror, or crazy year for horror. It was so good. Yeah. So many genre, genre movies. But yeah, Doctor Sleep is one that has gotten better uh, on every rewatch for me. And then I finally watched the three-hour director's cut. And uh, Oh, I, how I is think, it? Uh, I think the director's cut is perfect. Oh, like, okay. I had, I you know, I, I, I think the the theatrical was really good and i really enjoyed it every I time i watched it. it yeah but the uh the director's cut is just so good um interesting again you know it's another one of those slow burn movies if if listeners are probably like wow this guy really likes slow movies it's like oh, yeah i guess so <laughs> i wouldn't say doctor sleep's too slow i mean it had, it had yeah. its moments i mean you know it, it does a it good def- job. the three hours it is long but 
it's so worth it just because of the the way everything unravels and builds and builds. And Mike Flanagan has kind of been doing this with his Netflix shows, his miniseries. Um, but I don't know. It, it's the he blends the Kubrick look of everything with the stories of King's books, which are you know so different from Kubrick's film. He yeah, kind of yeah. finds the it's a, it's the perfect love child of both, honestly. And I know a lot of people like most people are kind of on one side or the other. They love Kubrick or they love the books. I'm um, in that weird kind of outcast camp where I like both almost equally. So this was kind of like a great, just perfect blend of the two for me. But if anyone's looking for a solid, like you know, big budgeted modern horror, it had a huge budget and lost a lot of money. Uh, it, um, but yeah, the fact well. that we yeah, the fact that we even got it in the way that it, the way that we did, is a treat, um, especially in the landscape yeah. of modern horror, which is like you said earlier, mostly reserved for indie films, which is no real problem for me. But it is cool to see what a big studio like Warner Brothers could do with you know a huge budget and a talented director like Flanagan. Yeah, I um, I'm I'm kind of in that camp where I like The Shining as a novel. I read it just last year, actually. Mm. But if I'm being honest, I, I like the movie a lot more. Uh, I know that might be like sacrilegious to say. I'm sorry, but <laughs> there's just like some things in the book that just don't. Maybe it's because I saw the movie before I saw the book, and that that could easily be yeah. why. So I had this like expectation going into the book, which is pretty. I would say pretty different from the movie. Uh, but Doctor Sleep, I really, really loved Doctor Sleep when I watched it for the first time. And I felt bad I hadn't seen it in theaters because I felt like I contributed to its failure. And I was like, oh, I fucked up. I should have saw it in theaters. And I, I just feel bad because that movie deserves every support. Yeah. That file cabinet scene uh, in Doctor Sleep every single time just like, ooh, it, ooh I, I love that scene so much. It's just, it makes me so happy watching that moment. Yeah. Rebecca Ferguson in that film is so good. Unbelievable. Yeah, one of those really performances good. where I'm like, if the Academy honored, you know, looked at genre films for acting awards more often, like she would be one of my picks that should have been nominated. She's brilliant in that movie as Rose the Hat. Just such yeah. a great, great villain. Yeah, I liked the I liked her a lot in it and um it was there was a it was a, just a really good movie. Mike Flanagan, just give him whatever he, at this point. Uh, I yeah. I recently binged Midnight Mass. Uh, I need to see that. I think it's really excellent. I do think it kind of goes with what you said a little bit slow uh, a little bit monologue heavy at times but it is um really fantastic i think um some really important commentary going on that one as well so i mm. uh, highly recommend midnight mass and i liked uh, hill house i sadly haven't seen bly manor but i like hill house a lot. you haven't seen bly manor either but hill house is awesome i think he's uh adapting fall of the house of usher next uh which is an edgar Allan poe uh, oh seriously yeah, I believe that's the oh, next boy. slate for Mike <laughs> That's going to be good. So, yeah, I mean, we're at a point now where Mike Flanagan is it really just gave him what he wants. I like Hush, and I and I like um, I like Gerald's Game, too. Have you seen Gerald's I Game? Need to, I haven't. It's uh, one of those I want to check out uh, this month. It's uh, it's it's hard to watch, but it's good. It's It does what it want, what it wants to do. I like it a lot. So oh, yeah. I'm on the Flanagan train, for sure. Well, we've reached the end. We did it. Somehow, we did it. in some way, we did it. One movie per decade. I want to go through them very quickly. I'm sure. i to go through mine. So in the 70s, I chose The Texas Chainsaw Massacre as my favorite horror movie. In the 80s, I chose David Cronenberg's The Fly. In the 90s, I chose The Blair Witch Project. In the 2000s, I chose 28 Days Later. And in the 2010s, I chose Ari Aster's Midsummer. What are your choices one last time? Yeah, so my pick from the 70s is Deep Red. My pick from the 80s is Opera. My pick from the 90s is Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Um, Scream is a close second, guys. I know, I know. Uh, (laughs) My pick from the 2000s is Lake Mungo. My pick from the 2010s is It Follows. Perfect. All right. Well, Nate, I I greatly appreciate you being here and talking horror with me. Um, uh, Hopefully this month we both get a chance to revisit more and more horror. Are you going to see Halloween Kills when it comes out? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm uh, trying to see if they're, my theaters are doing preview shows this Thursday. Uh, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm excited, I have tickets man. booked for Friday night. So there I, you go. I will be there. And uh, then I will watch The Last Duel. So who knows if that will be good or not. But okay. uh, we'll be watching it. <laughs> yeah, Ridley Scott on a, on a tear this year. Yeah, I'm more excited for House of Gucci than I am for uh, 
Last Duel, if I'm being honest. Not, not to go too off topic, but did you see how long that movie's going to be? Last Duel or Hasaguchi? Hasaguchi. Oh, no. How long is it? it? Three hours and ten minutes. <laughs> Holy cow. That is just so unhinged, and I'm just here. I'm here for it, man. Full, I mean, full Ridley Scott. Was like, I think it's two hours, 37 minutes, so I was like, oh, yeah. that's pretty long. Jeez, Louise. Three hours, ten minutes. I watched Lamb. Uh, oh, yeah. I how was that? that? I watched Lamb. Um, I'm a little disappointed. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little disappointed. Really? Okay. Yeah. Not. Yeah, I, uh, I might. I might wait on that one. You know, not. I'm... I wouldn't brand it a horror. I'll just say that. But. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a little, a little misleading trailers, but uh, I'm sure you'll watch it once it comes out. Of, I'm sure it'll be like Amazon Prime in the next like three months or something like that. Yeah, that's um, one of those. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to spend 15 bucks on that one. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, not. Not. Not worth it. I don't know if it's worth it to be honest, but. All at right. any rate, Nate, thanks for talking movies to me again. Again, remind people where we can find you on social media. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you can find me uh, at All Things Reviewed on Instagram. Um, post lists, uh, post reviews, uh, stuff like that all the time. I'm going to start doing, uh, I do this yearly uh, because my list changed so much. I think it's fun to do, but my top 100 films of all time. I'm um, probably going to start that closer in like November once spooky season's over. Um, but yeah, uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd at NH Spencer uh, if you want to see uh, all the spooky movies I've been been watching. Awesome. Perfect. And I do recommend following him on Instagram because every time you post something about Star Wars The Last Jedi, people freak out and it's fun to <laughs> comments. So, oh my God. I know. Every time. Every time. <laughs> I don't even post that much, but uh, yeah, I know, he. I know. Every time, man, it, it's without fail. It's yeah, just funny. That's just what that movie does to people. It's ridiculous. But Oh, boy. That's another conversation for another podcast episode. Definitely. <laughs> well, Nate, again, thank you so much for joining. Uh, next week, we'll have uh, another episode for you guys on a different movie. And make sure to follow Nate on social media. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.